It's been said that all roads lead to God. And this makes a certain amount of sense. In life, there are a thousand different ways to get where we're going. Winding scenic paths, wide, fast highways. We can walk or ride, drive or fly. Wrong turns and detours may slow us down, but sooner or later we make it. We get where we want to go. Could it not be the same for our souls? We all search for meaning, for fulfillment, for purpose, for God. But we come from different places. We're different people, and we don't all travel the same roads. But surely, if we try our best, if we follow our heart, if we believe in ourselves, we'll make it. Everything will work out. We will find salvation in the end. But there is a flaw in this way of thinking. The path to God is no road at all. It is a person. His name is Jesus. And salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. No matter the road we choose, at the end of this journey that we call life, there stands a gate shut fast. It is not opened for good people. It will not budge for those who lived right or loved well or did great deeds. It will only open for those who put their faith in the Son of God. Those who in life called upon the name of Jesus and believed him when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So I was thinking about faith. That's my topic today. And uh, as we transition here, I was thinking about a time when I had to put trust and faith in something. So you guys don't see me dressed up like this too often. But the last time I climbed the radio tower, this is my climbing gear. You strap in and hook in. See if I can get the right parts. This part right here, you hook onto the tower and there's a break and a cable when you climb the tower it comes up with you. If you start to fall, the brake goes on. You still fall. That's what this is for. But you only fall maybe 10 feet and then slam into the side of the tower. And at least you didn't hit the uh, ground and or hit the roof of the garage, which would be the likely place where I would fall. So I took the climb up the tower the last time, 70 feet. I'm getting older. It's, uh, I remember this because I was thinking about putting this gear on, and one time I was probably between the 20 to 40 foot range. I had to put braces on the tower to add an additional antenna. And I remember at one point yelling to Kevin, I love this! <laughs> but it was only a 20 to 40 foot fall, so I guess I felt more secure. 
At 70 feet, you climb to the top of the tower, you can see um, on a clear day, you can see Lake Michigan from here. You can see, uh, what's the snow hill up, up north? Will Mountain Mountain. You can see the snow hill up in Will Mountain Mountain from there. And you can see out over the chain of lakes and all the lakes over there. I have no idea what is south of me because when I climb the tower, I'm faced this way. <laughs> so I haven't climbed it any other way. There's only one ladder on the tower and you go up the tower. So I got up the tower and I'm working and I realized that I was having trouble accomplishing the work that I had to do because the whole time I was working, I was trying to hold on with one hand. So if I hold on with one hand, how many hands do I have to work with? Pretty good. Well, after a while, this arm gets tired of holding on, and so I switch hands. Now I'm a lefty. Uh, how many hands do I still have to work with? So there's a point at the tower. I'm going to walk off camera for a second. I had to trust. I had to put trust, I had to put faith in all this gear that I have on. So this one is the cable that you wrap around the tower. You hook it on to your belt, not like that, because you might fall, and you wrap it around your tower. The whole time I'm hanging on with one hand, but then I got to the trust issue, to where I could lean back in my belt hang on the tower. I know you guys think I'm going to pull the door out, but I'm not. <laughs> and I could work freely with two hands. It helped me, one, to accomplish the work much quicker. It took the pressure off the one arm trying to hang on the whole time. And after a while, I realized this is the way to work. But I had to get to that point of trust. The issue is I don't do this every day. So when you only take a climb every once in a while, you wonder, is something rotted out? Uh, is it still going to work? But it still works. It still works. I can still trust. Should I trust it any further? I had to put faith in the equipment that was made to keep me safe. And Mr. Matt yesterday was talking about a, the Greek word hilasmas. Is translated in the New Testament, propitiation. Jesus becomes that covering for us. And so in a sense, this climbing guard became that covering of my safety. I can put my faith, my trust in the Lord. So that's one object lesson. Let me get out of this and we'll get on to the rest of it. Give me a second. <laughs> That's not so bad. It worked. It didn't rip the hinge out of the door.
After the uh, lesson today, we're going to go up and do tower races, so you can get the fastest to the top of the tower. <laughs> it's only 70 feet. I'm sure I'd have some people take me up on it, but I'll put you to work if you go up there. All right. Well, we've been uh, looking at the five fingers, got it here on my shirt, the Family Camp t-shirt, talking about sharing our faith, and at the end of this teaching today, Lance and Don are going to come up and show you how it might look if you attempt to do the five fingers. What we've been doing is explaining what the five fingers stand for, and our thumb stands for what? Index finger? Tall finger? Christ and the pinky faith. faith. Okay, so we went through it. It's grace, man, God, Christ, and faith. And we have this opportunity to share our faith with others, our trust in God here on this earth. And Pastor Kevin on Friday night, he uh, he shocked me. I was getting ready to take notes. I had my iPhone out, and he walked up behind me and was like, Jesus loves you. Now, everybody likes Kevin's message because Kevin went way out of character at the beginning of that uh, message. Ke Kevin was transformed into uh, a preacher man that he's normally not. But uh, he said in there that when we're sharing our faith, Make sharing the Word of God simple with grace. And Kevin talked about grace and the importance of grace in our lives and gave a great illustration of works versus grace through a couple of the campers here that spent the weekend with us. And we also, he also said that we have received grace, so we should be graceful to others. So I think that's important in how we present ourselves uh, to share Christ with grace and to know that whoever you're talking to, everybody has their story, everybody has their circumstances that they're going through in the life. There's no cookie-cutter Christianity and no individual or person goes through the exact same things, although we can have shared things that we all go through. And so we should always remember grace. On Tony, Saturday morning, Tony connected the index finger to man, and he explained that sin was missing the mark, and he gave the illustration of his daughter who loves archery and how good she is, even said later that uh, she knows how to ride bareback and shoot on target with a bow and arrow. Uh, so that's pretty good skill. I've, I don't know. I've never rode bareback, so that's just one thing I'd have to learn and then take a bow and arrow in the process, that'd be another thing you'd have to learn, but missing the mark. So the idea of the Greek word that talks about sin is that of missing the mark, missing the bullseye, and how we should be, and we're all guilty of that. We all have an inherent sin nature. And Matt shared about the tall finger, about God, and taught us that our sin-fallen condition of God's love also, though. So Adam and Eve... Uh, again, Tony talked about the blame game that we play, blaming others. Adam and Eve did that, but God made a way out there in the garden through introducing not only the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which Adam and Eve sinned against God by eating of the fruit of that, but there's also the tree of life. 
And so the whole idea of our faith is getting back to that place of the tree of life, where we can have life in Christ Jesus. And so Adam and Eve were put out of the garden. They could no longer have contact with the tree of life. We never read of them eating of the tree of life, but because they sinned, we all have this inherent sin nature within us. And in God's love, he sent his son to pay the price of our sin that we could not pay for ourselves. And so that covering of mercy, the propitiation, the Greek word speaks about sinking into a warm, I'd be like putting a blanket on. Uh, who camped out overnight to get chilly last night? Did you uh, go under the covers, uh, get a little warm? So that's that idea of propitiation. You got that covering of protection over you. I gave the illustration of the climbing belt that I wore. It became that covering of protection for me when I was up on the tower. So talking about that need for the covering of mercy that God himself provided through his son, that way God's righteousness and his justice is still intact through Jesus Christ paying the price of our sin. Yesterday evening, Paul connected the ring finger to Christ, and the ring finger uh, we know is on the left hand. The ring finger is that reserved for married couples. I know other people wear rings on that, but the idea of it, that finger reserved for married couples. And we learn that we are the bride of Christ, and that Christ is working in our lives and preparing us to make us a pure bride without spot, without wrinkle, without blemishes. And this is because of the purity of the work of Christ, his work on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. The church now is being prepared as the bride adorned for her husband. Therefore, we each have that opportunity, which Paul brought home at the end of his message yesterday, to make that commitment to Christ to make that commitment, a commitment that would change our lives forever. And Paul said, I, I wrote this one down, Paul. It doesn't matter how many times you fail as long as you get up one more time. And maybe we've come to those places where we have failed and thought we can never get up that one more time. And as long as we're living, as long as we have breath in our lungs and we're able to cry out to Jesus, there is that opportunity to have relationship with Christ, either come to faith in Jesus Christ or have that relationship with Christ restored. Today I'm talking about faith. I already gave us a lesson, a lesson, object lesson on faith of something I had to do a few years ago to trust the gear that it was made for. I ordered the tower when we put that up several years ago uh, with the safety cable on there that I could hook on a climbing harness and make sure that nobody ever gets hurt climbing that tower and nobody has ever gotten hurt nobody's ever let go nobody's ever fell never had to test the uh, 10 foot safety cable which it will stop you but I'm still thinking it will hurt pretty good by the time you hit the side of the tower so we've never had to do that it's always been well but we're talking about faith, faith as a mustard seed. We're going to begin looking at in Matthew 13, verses 31 and 32. 
And then what is faith in Hebrews 11.1? 1, and our faith should cause us to grow and go, just connecting with our church motto of believe, receive, grow, and go. Looking at the scriptures attached to those two points in our motto, 2 Peter 3.18 and Matthew 28.19 and 20. Now the pinky, I was wondering about the pinky. And there's some things that, you know, I didn't throw into the message. You hold up your hand, and if your pinky is even with the first joint on your ring finger, that means that you got a kind of a well-balanced life. Oh, mine is like that. Wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, then they had theories of if it's shorter than or taller than, and then they talk about all these emotional stuff. So you can't prove that, but you're all looking at your hand wondering right now. <laughs> where my pinky finger lines up with the rest of the fingers on my hand. But one of the things I found that was cool, I thought, interesting, was that if the pinky finger, although it has the least range of motion, if it's wounded or cut off, you lose 50% of your grip strength on your hand. So it's like, oh, it's just the pinky. Well, Boys, you've been trying to outgrip me in that handshake, my grandsons. Still haven't got there yet. Maybe don't, don't think about it. I want my pinky finger. But one way that you might get there is to take a finger off. One of them tried to do that already. But um, that might be a way that you, you get there. Also, how many have ever made a pinky promise? Pinky swear. Anyone? It dates back to the 1600s uh, in Japan, is where the source came from. When they did a pinky promise, if you broke the promise, off goes the pinky. <laughs> so it wasn't a cute little, oh, let's do a pinky swear. And what I was reading in Japanese mafia today, they still hold to that today. So if you know some people that's missing some fingers, maybe they had a pinky swear that went awry. So faith as a mustard seed, Matthew 13, 31 and 32. A little short parable that Jesus talked about. He said another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed into his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. And when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. So the black mustard seed is the seed that they use in Israel. These are not black mustard seeds. But can you see them? I have three in this baggie up here. Anybody see the seeds? They're right there. I can see them. One, two, three. They're not the smallest seed in the world, but they were at the time the smallest seed known to the farmers there in Israel. So it would be applicable to them. And that black mustard seed in Israel can grow to the height of 12 feet, which is the tallest herb, and plenty enough for birds to nest in the branches. And so Jesus wasn't comparing the mustard seed to all the other seeds in the world, as some try to suggest to say that, well, Jesus didn't know what he was talking about. He was using the information that they had at that time and it fit at that time. The parable itself speaks about the church, God's kingdom, though it may be very small. There's some people that think eventually it'll grow until it fills the whole earth. But I don't believe that's what the parable is teaching because 
If that's true, it's been about 2,000 years since the time of Christ. And do you think the earth is becoming more like Christ or less like Christ right now? Oh, more like Christ. That's what, oh, you guys didn't say that. You said less, right. Um, so that can't be the meaning. There's an interesting thing about the consistency of Scripture. When something's introduced, it usually stays that meaning of it usually stays throughout the scripture, like the birds being related to Satan earlier in a parable by Jesus. Now the birds are coming to nest in the mustard seed type tree. And others view this as Satan standing in opposition against the church and sometimes operating within the church itself. Every time a church body comes together, there's both believers and unbelievers within the fellowship. And that's good because we preach Christ on Sundays and midweek services in the hope that those who don't know Jesus might come to life-saving faith in Jesus Christ. So why would God allow both believers and unbelievers in the church well, I think one, as believers, it strengthens us. It gives us opportunity to share our faith. But also for the simple reason that with unbelievers in our midst, there's that hope that they might be saved. The Word of God tells us in Romans 10, 13, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And although the church seems small, our work in the world has kingdom consequences. Although the church seems small, our work in this world has kingdom consequences. Over the last several years, I believe the church in the United States have showed herself as being very weak. And it's possibly one of the reasons we see that faith is declining in our culture and it has kingdom consequences. If the church doesn't stand up boldly for Christ as we should, then Satan will take advantage of that. The world will take advantage of that. So what is faith? We get a definition in Hebrews 11.1. 1. It tells us, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we have in faith substance and evidence. Faith is a Greek word, pistis. It's mentioned 243 times in the New Testament in its various forms. They had faith, they believe, they have belief, uh, different ways that you can say that. But it is talking about a conviction of truth, a belief, a firm persuasion. For us as Christians, it's a firm persuasion that God and His Word is true. And when we combine this thing, according to Hebrews 11.1, 1, it is, both has substance and it is evidence. Substance and evidence. In the Greek, the word substance means standing or sitting under. It speaks about the right to ownership. So in this folder, I have three documents that speak about uh, right of ownership in a sense of it is le they are legal documents that really are important for Lily and myself. And so I have these. You can believe me that I have them. They're right here. You see a little corner sticking out right there. So that's the substance. I have them. They're in our home. Uh, the reason they're out is because I needed them last week. I had to prove my age 
and I had to prove Lily's age, and I had to prove that Lily and I were husband and wife. So I have two birth certificates and one marriage license. So that's the substance. They're right here. And I told the people that I had to prove these things too, that I had them. And they said, well, send us the copies. They wanted to see it, the legal proof. So that's the evidence. The substance, we have it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith, we have it. But the evidence, the legal proof, they wanted to see it. So my birth certificate. 61 and 354 days old, this birth certificate. And it tells my name, John Michael Pinnell. It tells that I am male. <laughs> Just leave it at that. They might look different today. I'm the child of John A. Pinnell and Doris Lee Bragg Pinnell. I was born on August 2nd, 1960 in Waukegan at Victory Hospital. It doesn't say that. Um, so that information there, this is the certified copy. It's all stamped. It's good. <laughs> now this is Lily's birth certificate. You might notice they look like two entirely different documents. They came from two entirely different countries. Lily's came from Mexico. And it has that information of where she was born, Merida, Yucatan, has her name. Uh, she has some Rodriguez there in the blood because she's Ponce Rodriguez. And then it says that Carlos Ponce and Fidelia Rodriguez, all the information. And I'm looking for the date of birth. I guess you don't have one. I'm sure it's here somewhere. There it is, uh, April 26, 1960, 1,800 hours. Wow. Is that true? I don't know. It gave the time stamp. It's so funny. We went to the Mexican consulate to get a Mexican uh, passport for her. We're trying to get her citizenship. And we were going to Israel, and we were just having a hard time with the citizenship paperwork, and she didn't have a passport. So we went to the Mexican consulate. She gave them the birth certificate that she came over with as a baby. And they said, this isn't a legal document. And so this was the legal document that I have now. And we had to do some, there's a very good guy there that helped us out to get what she needed that she could get the passport. But it was a headache, I have to tell you that. And then the final document, our marriage document. Yes, we are married. October 21st, there it is, 1978, in Zion, by my dad, Reverend John Pinnell and uh, has our names and where we lived. I was from the harbor, she was from Zion, and the date of our marriage. So the legal documents. So we have the substance, we have faith in Jesus Christ. But the legal proof, faith is the legal proof of things not seen, according to the Word of God, that in Titus 1, 2, that we, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. This faith, according to the faith of God's elect, this faith that we have, it's in Christ Jesus. It's things not seen, according to 2 Corinthians 4, 18. The things that are not seen are eternal. And this is what Thomas, remember Doubting Thomas, the, one of the disciples, said, unless I see the nail prints in his hands, 
his feet, thrusts my hand into his side. I will not believe. Eight days later, Christ showed up in the room where the disciples were meeting. Actually, they were hiding. They weren't meeting. But um, he showed up and he said, Thomas, here's my hands, my feet, my side. Go ahead, thrust your hand in my side. Come on, gross, Jesus. But that's what he said to him. You can read about it in John 20, verses 25 through 29. But then Jesus said, after Thomas acknowledged Christ, saying, my Lord, my God, Jesus said in verse 29, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. For those who have believed in Jesus Christ, that's where we are at today. We have not seen, and yet we believe. And our faith in Jesus should translate into our walk in this world, which in our third point, we look at the believe and the receive. We are to walk by faith and not by sight, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 7. So faith is the realization of things hoped for. I have my documents and the legal proof. Only when I show them to you, can you be assured that I am who I am that Lily was born when the document says she was born on, and that we were married back on October 21st, a few years ago. So our faith should cause us to grow and go. So faith, that last point of the five-finger evangelism, we have God, man, grace, man, God, Christ, faith. This is our part. And the faith, like a mustard seed, if it's planted in fertile and well-watered soil, will grow into this large tree-like plant, so too should our faith cause us to grow that we might live productive lives for Christ. Our faith should cause us to grow. Our motto here at the church, under grow, it's 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. And that word translated as grow can mean continually grow, that we are continually growing in our faith. So it's a sense that we don't, it's not a once and done, but it's something that we should continually grow in our faith. And it's to this day, it's why I love reading the Word of God, love studying the Word of God, teaching the Word of God to others, because it helps me to grow in my faith. Maybe you've heard people say, you know, I, I tried to read the Bible. I just can't get anything out of it. it mainly, it means that they just don't want to read the Bible. I think part of it is something that we just got to form the practice of doing and if we form the practice of doing, then we'll discover that we'll begin getting things out of it. It's through the practice of reading and studying. And I have to tell you, I'm, a couple of days I'll be 62 years old. And about 10 or 15 years ago, I felt in my own spiritual walk with the Lord that after all the years of studying the Word of God, and reading the Bible, that things were finally beginning to mesh. It took me a while. But, you know, I was in my 50s, and I was thinking, maybe the late 40s, but it really, it, there was like a transformation for me in reading and studying the Word of God. It took me a while to get there. We have to do it. Kind of like maybe uh, anybody here, here as children ever remember 
mom or dad reminding you to brush your teeth as a kid? Was everybody always good at that? Got it. Did you brush your teeth? Usually when they ask that, they know because you got stuff hanging in your teeth or there's some kind of, you know, early morning odor going on. It's like, you didn't brush your teeth, did you? Oh, I always forget. And then something happens. Maybe you go to the dentist and it's like, you got five cavities. Maybe I should start brushing my teeth a little more. Maybe you're going to start dating. And you think, breath, yeah, that's important in dating. I need to brush my teeth. We discover at some point, mom and dad, they were right. Well, the study of the word of God, it's good for us. And we get to that point where we discover that, yes, this is good. We begin to learn. We begin to grow. And God has promised the helper, the Holy Spirit, to come alongside us in John 14, 26, saying he will teach you all things. And he will, he will help us, the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, help us in our learning process if we're faithful to be diligent students of the word of God. Mark Twain, one of the early writers here in the United States, a uh, famous writer, when talking about the Bible, he said most people are bothered by those passages of Scripture they do not understand. But the passage, passages that bother me are those that I do understand. Sometimes reading the Word of God, it, it hurts because it speaks to our hearts, our spiritual condition. So the study of God's word, that growing is not merely a childhood requirement, but a lifelong journey. And we must learn to study the word of God that we might continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But just growing, having a great knowledge of the Bible, being able to wipe out everybody at Bible trivia, that's not the intent of it. It is to be able to share your faith effectively, the go Matthew 28, 19, go therefore, the great commission of Jesus, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the great commission, we're commanded to go. In Mark 16, 15, Mark's version of the great commission, it says, go into all the world. So where are we to go? Into all the world. We're to preach the gospel to every creature. That Greek word can be translated as you go, as you go, wherever you go, our field of service is the entire world. We're to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, what's the gospel? According to 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 15, verse 1, and also 3 and 4, Paul said, I declare to you the gospel, which I preach to you. And then he explains the gospel that Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture. He was buried and he rose again on the third day, according to the scripture. What is the gospel? The death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hudson Taylor took this commission very seriously. He spent 51 years in China as a missionary there in China. When he died, he was kneeling by his bed praying for the nation of China. He was so loved. Oh, that's, that's another missionary I'm mixing up in my head. It wasn't Hudson Taylor on that one. Um, but Hudson Taylor once said, 
foundation that he began there in China, which now is probably not working because the Chinese government and communism put the missionaries out of China. At one point, they had over 800 missionaries in that country. And Hudson Taylor had said, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. Some Christians love to preach and share their faith. But it's also good to make disciples. The second part of that, go share the gospel, make disciples. Now, discipleship is a good thing, but it's a harder thing to do because only true discipleship can produce true disciples in Jesus Christ. Paul was faithful to this, to preach and to make disciples. In Acts 14, 21, it said when he was there in Derby, in the city of Derby, that they had preached the gospel in that city and made many disciples. Preaching, making disciples, and then baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The believer's baptism, symbolizing when we're put under the water, the death of ourselves, and then the preacher bringing you up out of the water again. You hope that he does. Uh, the resurrection to walk in newness of life. And Jesus added to this in verse 20, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, saying, lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So sharing your faith with others can be a frightening thing at times. You can get used to it. You can always get into troubling conversations that make it difficult but we have this assurance from Christ. I'll be with you. Just go and do it. And I'll be with you. I'll give you the words to speak. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with all things that you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews 13, 6. Therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So just think about that. Jesus, are you with me? I'm with you. All right, I'm going to share my faith. Our faith should cause us to grow and go. So saving faith is trusting in Jesus Christ alone for our eternal life. There are some people who put on the climbing belts of faith in Christ alone. And they are what we know, know to be Believers in Jesus Christ, we call them Christians today. In the New Testament, in the book of Acts, they call them of the way. Uh, we are believers in Jesus Christ. But there are other religions and other people who put different climbing belts on. I'll go back to that first illustration. They put on different climbing belts that uh, they're going to find out one day that belt will fail them when they have to really let go go hands-free, they're going to discover that the belt of faith that they put on was not true faith. And if it's our radio tower, they're going to go crashing 70 feet until something stops them, which is either a garage or the ground up there. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. Once we are saved, we need to trust in Jesus's work in our salvation, in Christ and Christ alone, Hebrews 7, 25. Therefore, he is also able to save to, to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Christ Jesus saves to the utter, uttermost. The furthest distance, there's nothing out of the grasp of his 
hand or capability because he's always interceding in our behalf. So all we need is a small amount of faith, like a mustard seed. See it right there? You can see it, right? Small amount of faith planted in the fertile and well-watered soil of God's Word, along with the Holy Spirit's work in our life to allow us to grow in our faith that we might go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. And my question to you today, do you have this type of faith? Jesus said all we need is the faith the size of a mustard seed. Pretty small. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this, the teaching of your word, and this last of the five digits in this five-finger evangelism method, reminding us how we might be able to share our faith, but today encouraging us of the need of faith in our own lives. And I pray, Lord, if we failed in such faith, that you would help us, Lord, in the process. That if we have been those who have fell down, uh, help us to get up one more time. If we are those, Lord, who know you and trust you and share our faith with others, help us to have the grace to share that faith in grace because we have received grace from you. So we thank you, Lord, for this wonderful weekend of learning. And I pray, Father, that you would help us continue to put these things to practice in our own lives, even as we depart from this place. Help us, Lord, to grow thereby. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I hadn't got into any announcements, didn't do any of that. I didn't feel like doing announcements with a climbing belt on. So um, I'll just remind our radio audience, our video audience, that we'll be here Wednesday night looking at the book of Leviticus, uh, picking up our study in the book of Leviticus this coming Wednesday. Uh, offertories, uh, I want to pray for our offertory. We didn't do that today. We have an agape box here but also those who uh, online give or send through the mail. That's kind of more common these days. We want to ask God to bless the offertory gifts. And then we're going to sign off for our radio and video. And Lance and Don, they're going to come up and show us just briefly how it might look if we were to use the five-finger evangelism, what that might look like. And so I'm going to give, we're going to be off mic. They'll just be down uh, giving you an idea of what it might look like to share your faith in this fashion. Because I realized through this week, we talked about the five fingers, but we haven't actually shown how or had you practice how. And so I want to give you that idea of how it might look to do the five finger evangelism. Not me, Lance and Don. I put them on the spot for that. So let's go ahead and praise. I'll close out this time of worship and pray for our offertory as well. Father, uh, as we pray and we just ask, Lord, that you would be with us as we close out this service for our radio and video audience. We thank you, Lord, for their time of being with us today. We thank you for the lesson of your word and the worship that was given and presented through the Travis Lee Band today. And also, Lord, um, this whole weekend of family camp, we thank you for the safety that we've had and for the beautiful weekend that we've had and for our family to come together and to worship like this, our church family. And we pray, Lord, your blessing upon each one of us. We also, Lord, do ask 
There, throughout the weekend, we have challenged about faith. If there are those, Lord, that they have not yet accepted you as Savior and they know that they need to, I pray, Lord, that they would accept that challenge, that they acknowledge that they believe in God, that they would receive Jesus as their Savior in order that they might grow in their faith and go to share their faith with others, whether using five-finger evangelism or just sharing from their own heart. Lord, it begins with receiving you as Savior. So I pray, Lord, that if there are any here or listening on the radio or maybe watching uh, through social media or whatever they might be able to hear this message, I pray, Lord, that if they know they need you, though they have fallen, may they rise up in faith and trusting Jesus for their salvation. And we ask, Lord, your blessing upon the offertory gifts of this church. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for the 30 years that you have given us to be a Calvary Chapel in this community, a church body, Lord, that loves you and represents you to our community. Help us, Lord, in our mission, and we thank you for your provision. So we ask these things in your great name and precious Savior Jesus. And we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. And I do pray that God would bless you and keep you, that his face would always shine upon you and give you peace. God bless.